Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We've got a great guest. But first, let's say a quick thank you to our sponsor. The Future of Money and Wealth was the premier event of its kind in 2018. If you missed this two-day conference, you missed a lot. This was an opportunity to find out what's really happening from some of the brightest minds on the planet. Find out what's going to happen to interest rates, what's going to happen in the economy, to global trade. So many different perspectives that we definitely want to be paying attention to. If you missed it, here's your opportunity to catch the entire conference on video and learn from the likes of Robert Kiyosaki, Peter Schiff, Chris Martinson, Adam Taggart, Dr. Doug Duncan, Ed Griffin, Robert Helms, and so many others. If you're interested in learning more about it, send me an email to fmw at victorjm.com. That's fmw at victorjm.com. I'd be happy to send you more information. We're back. We've got a great guest this weekend. He's none other than Mr. George Ross. George was a senior executive, senior vice president in the Trump Organization for many, many years, and his wisdom is unparalleled unlike anybody I've ever met. And he's an expert in negotiation. Today, we're talking about what is truly a textbook case in negotiation. That's that's the negotiation that's going on between the United States and China. George, welcome to the show. Good evening, Victor. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Just, just fine, thanks. Let's jump right in. Ready when you are. Thrilled to have you with us again. Many of you are wondering how you become a senior executive in the Trump Organization. The first thing you do is you work for Saul Goldman for, for 10 years and do 700 deals. That's the preparation, right, George? That's absolutely correct. What I thought we would do today is a little bit of a theme where I know that there's been a lot of questions that have come up over the last couple of months, especially in face-to-face meetings that I've had around negotiation, and many of them are textbook cases. And since we have the author of the, textbooks on, the textbook on the line, what better thing to do than to focus on negotiation tonight? So let's jump right in. Good. Good. Good idea. So, George, I think one of the textbook cases is playing out in front of us in the news, and that's these trade negotiations between the U.S. and China, the U.S. and Canada. And, you know, on Monday, the White House imposed new tariffs on about $200 billion of imports from China, affecting about half the imports from from that country. And uh, this week, on Tuesday, China retaliated with $60 billion, about half of U.S. exports to China. Mm-hmm. And then the White House, in turn, said, well, they may cover the other half with uh, tariffs as well. Now, of course, tariffs are not the point of the negotiation. It's all about the balance of trade. Um, you know, they're really a lever in the negotiation. And it's really all about access to the Chinese market, which is very much a closed market. You know, China's respect for intellectual property is somewhere between mm-hmm. low and zero. And in order to do business there, you often have to join venture where you very, very quickly lose control. And I know many companies who have tried to do that and experience that. So it's all about negotiation. If you were the lead negotiator for the U.S., what would you be doing right now? Just exactly what Donald Trump is doing. Exactly. At this point, it's, this, is, this has got to work out. It's a question. There's such a tremendous imbalance between uh, the, the, uh, what we sell to China and what China sells to us. And in order to correct that imbalance, you just have to take a firm stand. And I think the first one that's going to uh, blink is going to be China because they need the United States market more than the United States needs Chinese goods. So there'll be an adjustment price-wise, uh, depending on the ultimate uh, purchase price of the items that are there. But uh, I think that uh, this is just a question of over time, you got to win. They can't win. The, the imbalance is too great. They need the United States market more than the United States needs the Chinese market. 
And if you know that what's what's happened over the past is that point is China has put tariffs on most many goods coming from the United States into China. So they were already doing the tariff on it, but we haven't had a corresponding uh, a tariff or a tax put on the goods coming from China. And the intellectual property is absolutely true. Uh, what has happened is that companies, a lot of U.S. companies, have set up business in China because it's very attractive there from a tax standpoint. But now you have all these American companies making Chinese goods and selling them back to the United States at a uh, at no tariff. So this is a, an ongoing situation, which I think will be resolved. It's just a question of time. Between the two positions at that point, the, the United States position is, is much better than the Chinese position position and sooner sooner they're going to realize it. You know, it's interesting. Tariffs are kind of a blunt instrument, but in truth, China has erected some non-tariff trade barriers. And so that's really what, you know, he's trying to tear down here, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a question, you know, when you say to create some kind of a level playing field, that's the answer. We've been ripped off for years, and not only in the United States, but other countries ripped off by years, by uh, years, because the the Chinese economy and the, the salaries they pay are so are, are so low that they can create goods uh, for sale cheaper than somewhere else. But when you sell those goods cheaper than somewhere else, somebody gets hurt, which is the the, the other companies that which which can't compete labor wise. So they can't sell their goods because they're being undersold by the Chinese goods, and the Chinese goods are coming at uh, cheaper prices because of uh, of labor. So it's a, it's an evaluate it's a uh, adjustment which has long since been overdue coming and nobody really tackled it or wants to tackle it. Now there are some companies that are going to be hurt because they won't be able to sell their products to to uh, so, as much as China because there will be tariffs on them. But uh, that's that's not we don't sell that much to China now. That's why you got the imbalance. If we if, if American companies were we were selling selling to China on an equal balance. You wouldn't have the, the tremendous deficit, but a lot of United States goods are not being would not be accepted in China without a heavy tariff, so they don't go there. On the other hand, the Chinese goods or come in do come into the United States without a tariff, so they're very convenient. So it's, it's an adjustment which, uh, over a period of time, will work out. It's a question of, uh, of of not if in my mind. It's a question of when. The imbalance is too great. No, what I'm saying is China needs the United States uh, to sell into the United States much more than the United States needs to sell into China. It seems like the ongoing negotiation with Canada, where the trade is actually quite balanced, and the only time the balance changes is if the price of oil goes up five bucks or drops five dollars. It's not that the volume changes, it's the price changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It almost seems like Canada's a pawn in the larger game because the amount that's going to be affected here is a rounding error by comparison. Yeah, yeah. well, China, I agree with you as far as uh, Canada is concerned. Uh, there is an imbalance, but it's not a major imbalance by any means, but there is an imbalance. But I think that if, if in fact, uh, the, the, the trading with Canada is worked out and they are effectively a pawn, this has got to send a, a message to China uh, that Canadian United States relations of trade wise has been resolved and it would be a good idea to resolve ours also indicates that a major company, a major country like Canada, uh, you know, it's gotten, gone to the bargaining table as far as tariffs are concerned. And, uh, I think this is be, be very helpful in, in further negotiations with China. I just think it's a question of time based on the, based 
based on the the imbalance. Do you think the midterm elections? No, it's not going to have anything to do with it, with midterm or what have you. When you get down to it, what's the effect? The effect is the products which are made in China and sold in the United States are going to have a tariff and have a higher price. So people, whoever it is, is going to buy those goods is going to have to decide: Do I want to pay the higher price, or at that place it makes it makes sense that, that I'll deal with companies which don't have the where I don't have the tariff, so they're from other companies, other countries. So that's ultimately the consumers are going to make the decision as to whether or not how beneficial it is to to buy uh, Chinese goods as against goods that are available in the marketplace from other countries or from the United States. And that hasn't played out yet because the tariffs haven't played in. But when you're talking about the, the fact that uh, the, the total imbalance, if you straighten out, if you do something to straighten out the imbalance between the two, it's so so dramatic uh, between 60 billion and 200 billion. Hey, if you bring if you bring bring it in line with 100 billion, that's a lot of money that comes in that can be can be used. For for doing uh, advances in the United States, that's a lot of money. Especially, you could get part of it to to uh, new new companies do agreeing to do business in the United States and give them some kind of a bonus with the fact that the that they will now be competitive against the, with Chinese goods. It's a it's quite a can of worms, but it it's, it should be resolved. I think it will be resolved. It's just a question of time. It has to be. It has to be. It has to. It ha- I mean, it has to be because of the fact that. That China needs the United States as its customer more than the United States needs China as its customer. And there aren't that many goods that are made in China at that point that are so good, except from a price standpoint. Absolutely. When you consider that China holds 25% of U.S. treasuries, the reason that happened, of course, is because of the, the trade imbalance. The central course, government has not course. known what to do except go buy U.S. treasuries with all those excess U.S. Well, that, yeah, but it, what, what has happened is that the imbalance has created the deficit and they, you're sort of writing out more bonds, which China is buying. Why? Because they know the United States economy is great. They're not buying them because they intend to lose money. But they, they, they know the United States economy is great. Why? Because they're pushing it up by uh, selling their goods at a, uh, uh, at a attractive basis. They are now also uh, buying uh, United States paper. So they're turning it into good dollars. It's about time it was tackled. Everybody's recognized it. But no, there's the, the concept. The tariffs are bad. Yeah. Tariffs, they are a problem. And they are totally, they're not reciprocal. For example, if you, can't, you can't sell United States cars in Germany. They put a high tariff on it. Well, why don't we put a tariff on the German cars? True enough. So, you know, so meanwhile, that's why uh, they can be competitive and sell their, their vehicle into the United States. But the United States can't sell their vehicles into Germany or other countries where there is a tariff. If you have free trade, it should be free trade. But if you, but it's not, it's not really free when you have different tariffs put on different goods in different countries. So it's a, it's a been a, pro, been a problem, still a problem going on for a long period of time. And my feeling is on this is, is going to be solved. It's just a question of when. I think that Trump is on the exactly on the right track, and I don't think that there is any decision coupled with the fact this is what he said he was going to do. Yes, it does. So that's going. That's a major factor because if you look at his record among any everything else, he seems to be doing what he said he was going to do. Whether the, anybody else likes it or doesn't like it, it's not an idle threat in my estimation. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else he could do to strengthen or maintain his leverage that he's not doing? He's got the leverage. No, the leverage. The next thing you're going to see is they're going to go. They're going to go and put 
bigger uh, tariffs on the Chinese. So you're now looking, you're saying uh, 200 billion of imports as against 60 billion of exports. Hey, that's 140 billion. Even if you straighten it out to 100 billion, it's a lot. It's uh, you know, it's a lot of money. So it's just a, a question of uh, how much you're going, going to do. But it, all the all the the, car, the cards are in the United States' favor, not in, not in China's favor. They don't like it. They don't like working away, but uh, nevertheless, this is what has been created. And if you get the the uh, the intellectual property concept is something which is very very real, and uh, you know they've been taking our intellectual property. You can't patents in China. Forget you know they don't United States patents. They don't recognize, so they steal your know-how your scientific know-how to make products that are cheaper and sell them back to you and, and, and uh, at a lower price than you could get. But they, so they're buying the technology, not buying it. They're, they're getting it free and using it to their advantage. Yes, indeed. Yep. Okay. That's the story with that. We haven't solved that one, but keep an eye on it. it, 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 it my question is to be solved. Uh, I don't know when, but in the not too distant future, I think China's going to blink. They have no choice when they get to get down to it. And I think good part of it uh, comes up is that the, every all the other presidents knew about this, but nobody had the courage to tackle it. Well, I think one of the naive things is that the Chinese believe that if the Democrats win an extra, you know, a couple of seats in the House, that somehow that'll tip the balance against the White House. And I think a lot of the Democrats actually will support what Donald's doing in this case. Absolutely. Mathematics are there. You can't not. It's not not with Donald. It's not so way out, way out of bounds, by any means. And even if somebody says, "Well, we should, we should not uh, uh, basically rough up the relationships with with China because of their their impact in their economy," when somebody's taking advantage of you, you got to uh, you got to fight back. And I I agree. I don't think it has anything to do with the election. And I do think that what's going to happen is have them put the income that's going to come into the United States as a result of the of the tariffs, that money is going to trickle down somewhere into uh, advantage but th- that you can use it. If you use it for infrastructure or you can use it for all kinds of, it's a lot of dollars that are coming in. Unless you say, well, it won't come in because people will stop buying the in the United States are not going to buy the Chinese goods when they're tariffed. It's going to raise the price of it too high. I don't think that's true, but but you also have to have a a, a, a certain amount, a certain degree of quality, and uh, well, you can see it, see it, see it changing now. Interesting subject. I love that conversation with George. He brings such a unique perspective because there's really nobody else who's worked for that long within the Trump organization. He's been there for 37 years. And he wrote the textbook on negotiation. So you can see exactly what's playing out in the public eye, in the headlines, and George's perspective. He's really quoting directly out of his book. We can learn a tremendous amount from just watching what's happening. When parties decide to walk away from the table, when they decide to up the ante, it's all part of the dance of negotiation. So in the meantime, as you're thinking about that, maybe go pick up a copy of George's book and give it a good read. It'll give you a lot of insight what's going on. Meantime, have a spectacular day. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.